was you? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy without his pants on? That was you? Yeah. <laughs> the, guy with, the guy with no pants driving the taxi? That was me. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery suspense and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hope everybody's doing great. How are you doing today, Nick? I am fan-freaking-tastic. Fan-freaking-tastic. Awesome. (laughs) What have you been up to now? Where are you at? Where in the world is Nicholas Harvey? Well, as we record this, we're about to head to Bonaire via Miami because we can't get there directly. So we're going to hop up to Miami, then fly down to Bonaire. So we changed our plans a little bit. We were on St. Martin for three months and then Bonaire for three months, and we mixed it up a little bit. Uh, St. Martin has been fantabulous. We actually went to Sabre the other weekend uh, for a couple of days, which is magnificent, and the diving was incredible. Yeah, but we moved up our change down to uh, Bonaire. Uh, There was an opportunity to... um, stay in the place that we're going to uh, that we've rented down there for a, for an extra month on the front side so, and with the shore diving down there we're like yeah we got to go do, do tell I, for those of us who are less you know geographically knowledgeable where is Bonaire in comparison to every other island do you know where india is no it's it's I nowhere should. near that okay yeah <laughs> It is. So most people have heard of Aruba. Right. And yes. some people have heard of Curacao. And then there's yes. a scattering of people that have heard of Bonaire. So the, the ABC islands, and there's three okay. islands in a row, and they're just north of Venezuela. So they're in the most southern part of the Caribbean. And they're Very actually sweet. below the hurricane belt, which oh, I nice. say carefully because when we're down there, there's, it's pretty much guaranteed we'll, we'll suck a hurricane down across us. But but yeah, great place. It's, it's super well known uh, amongst divers as uh, a diving mecca. The way the island's um, shaped, it drops in and has reefs really close to the shore and then kind of goes on down to about 60, 70 feet with slightly deeper reefs. So you just, it, it's really accessible. You just walk in the water and um, they have these brilliant little yellow rocks by the side of the road. So you drive around these little lanes around the island and you look for these yellow rocks and they've painted the yellow rock with the name of the dive site. And oh, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and if you get uh, a ReSmart dive guide, which is uh, the, about the only way to go, it tells you where to look for and how you will, what the topography is of the dive and the whole bit. So yeah, where we'll be that's staying, awesome. there's Barry Reef is right out front of uh, where we'll be staying. So you just walk in the water and go dive and it's epic. So well, yeah, looking it. forward to that. You just had a book come out too, didn't you? Burning Summer. Yes, Burning love Summer Nora. came out on the 26th. Yeah, I love writing Nora. She's so much fun. And it was uh, very well received. So thank you very much, awesome, everybody, yeah. for it's very uh, good. I, uh, Nora's, um, Nora's amazing. She's, she's a lot of fun too. <laughs> yep. So uh, what have you been doing? Well, you know, talking about kick-ass women, I just finished up a short story for an anthology that I think you're in too. But uh, right now I've tentatively, tentatively called it the, uh, the Outcall Girl. So it's... It's going to be a new character. I'm not sure if I'm going to do anything else with her, but she was a lot of fun to write just as a, just a kick-ass woman who kind of said it someplace cold, which is really unusual for me. You know, I don't like the cold weather that much, but this one's set in Colorado in the middle of a blizzard. So Wait a second. What state did you say? Colorado, yeah. 
<laughs> That's not mountains. what you said. That's not what you said. What you said Colorado. Colorado? <laughs> Something like that. There was no O on the end of it when you said it the first time. Okay. Well, maybe. I am Southern, so. It's... You did Memphis the shit out of it right there. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> what else? Colorado. Now I'm be like. <laughs> You'll have Mandy Miller up your backside telling you uh, how to that's, say his that's fair. state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado, I guess. So whatever. It's it's cold. I don't know, I care. It's just, you know. <laughs> All right. What else? Well, besides doing? that, I, I'm I'm just I'm plowing through uh, my next Chase novel where it comes out uh, next month in June, uh, Gulf Dreams. It's been a lot of fun to write. Uh, it's all over the west coast of Florida, Florida. So I can make sure I pronounce things correctly. Flow rider, flow rider, but uh, it, it's 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 been it's been a blast, right? Too. So and just still plugging away with uh, missing in the keys right now. So cool, man. Uh, yeah, missing so, in the keys is coming along really well. Really good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Getting the next talk one about out, action. So. Yeah, talk about action. All right, we're going to move along now because because <laughs> I can't wait to ask this question. So <laughs> please send in your questions to our oh, uh, yes. email, which our email is. Two authors chat show at gmail.com. I think that's it. It's in the show notes if I got it wrong. And <laughs> Randley Kennedy uh, from Indiana uh, sent Indiana. in a question. Indiana. <laughs> Back home again in Indiana. And that was the fabulous Nick Harvey there. <laughs> Impersonating the uh, the chap. Uh, what's his name? I think he just passed away. I, just uh, trying to be respectful. The Indy Five Hundred, <laughs> the guy that sings the song at the front. That was that was you being respectful. That was <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was well. You never want to hear me sing. I've said that no, before. Note to self: Nick is going to do my eulogy. Uh, <laughs> I think I could do a good eulogy. <laughs> Randy Lee, though, asked this great question, and she would like to know, when was the last time you were naked in public? <laughs> I, I try and avoid being naked in public just for the public's sake, quite honestly, but uh, this wasn't necessarily – this was almost in public. Okay, so when we were living in California, we are in Dana Point, we, our home was uh, kind of built down a hillside, and it was like three stories. And in the middle of the night, it's like one in the morning, we hear this noise downstairs, my wife and I. And I sit upright. I'm like, what the hell's that? She's like, I don't know. Sounds like someone's downstairs. And I jumped out of bed and we were both starkers. And uh, so I go out of the bedroom real quietly and I can hear these voices downstairs clearly coming from our living room. And I'm like, it's the TV. The bloody TV's on. Someone's watching our TV. And I'm like, oh, great. There's some guy stoned out of his gourd, wandered into our house and decided to surf the TV and Flipped watch on the TV, right? huh? Yeah. So I'm creeping down the stairwell and I'm thinking, I ought to have some, this is America, so the guy's probably, you know, got an AK-47 or whatever. So I thought, I need something. And I brought back from Australia a didgeridoo for my wife. Um, years before. Is that we what you call it? <laughs> That's, so I took out my, I was naked and I took out my didgeridoo. Um, so I grabbed this didgeridoo, which if you don't know, it's a, it's a long hollow stick that uh, the Aborigines <laughs> play tunes on. <laughs> so I'm like, well, this will make a club of some description. So I'm absolutely stark naked, creeping down the stairs with a didgeridoo in my hand to take on this uh, stoner guy who I was convinced had turned on the TV in our living room 
to this day, I have no idea why the TV came on, but there was no one in the living room. But it was it was like they well, sent an update or something, and it just played the TV, scared the shit out of us. Possibly, you just chased them off with your naked didgeridoos. So that could, could be that uh, he was probably going to take me on until he saw me pick up my didgeridoo. <laughs> well, <laughs> what do you got? I, I okay, so I, I don't I don't know if I've ever really been naked in public, but I do, I do have. So we have a small farm just outside of Memphis, and several years ago, uh, we had a lot of chickens and some goats at the time. Uh, and love we were, me a goat. Goats are the <laughs> coolest. Love you a goat. I bet you do. Oh, I love goats, <laughs> and they they love you until they see your didgeridoo. So <laughs> PG thirteen. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> That's a little e that we have right beside our our, uh, our title there. So. <laughs> Anyway, the, we did have one night again. I, I, I think I was getting out of the shower, and we heard a ruckus outside. And I, at the time, it was just me and my wife at home, so my kids were not there. It was just us. And so heard something, and we'd been having trouble with foxes coming up and killing our chickens. And so I hear this racket. It's after dark. I just run out. I grab a 12-gauge shotgun, slip into a pair of Crocs, I think, and I run <laughs> My ass up the hill, trying to chase down this fox in the middle of the night. <laughs> so you're, ass you're naked. Wait yes. a second. You're naked, double barreled, <laughs> in yes. Crocs. In Crocs. Let's let's sit back and picture that for just a minute. That's right. Yes, in Crocs. I mean, that's it's no didgeridoo, but it's <laughs> <laughs> a more effective. The, the best part was, uh, well, sadly, the fox actually did have a chicken. And when I got there, the chicken was in the middle of a circle of goats who were watching this fox just beat, the, you know, eat the crap out of this chicken, trying to get to kill this chicken. And so I have these like four goats surrounding this chicken, and I can't get a shot at the fox to chase him off. So I have to actually run all the way into the. What the were the whole goats thing. doing? Were they, they like they were heckling him on? I think they, they were just all like they all had this like weird look on their face, like they were just checking him out, watching him chase were this they, chicken. Were they betting on it? Hey, what, what, I don't know. <laughs> it was a circle. I kid you not. There were, there were about four, maybe five goats in a circle around this fox and this one chicken who had run from the house all uh, halfway up the pasture, and he, uh, he'd gotten loose once they he got away from the, the fox once, and that was I think it was a rooster, and that thing could run. He was fast, but he wasn't fast enough. So, hmm. but it was a it was pretty. Yeah, that was it. So I ran across the the field. So hopefully Randy Lee can can have that. Just you know. Yeah, just remember you asked, all right? You asked. Yes. This is this is your fault. Any yep. any mail about any of this segment, please write to Randley Kennedy in Indiana. Indiana, you can address it that way because in Indiana, no no one everybody knows where I'm sure. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on, shall we? So, <laughs> so the title of this week's show, I don't know why we're titling. We're still doing. It. I think we're going to stop titling because. I don't know why. Uh, it's anyway. It's following passions, which actually is true of this one. So uh, we interview a lovely and lively lady by the name of Annie Dyke. She's a sailor, author, blogger, as well as a practicing lawyer. That's a weird term, isn't it? Practicing lawyer. If I hire a lawyer, I don't want one that's still practicing. I want them to be an expert. Well, at doctors, it. doctors do the same thing. That's it. Yeah, yes, I heard someone always just practicing. Yeah, yeah. So. That's where I stole that from. Actually, I heard someone talking about doctors. That's right. Yeah, I don't want one who's practicing. I want one who's got it right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to Annie. And welcome to the show, Annie Dyke. How are you doing today, Annie? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. 
love to ask you a little bit about yourself. If you want to tell us, kind of introduce yourself. And since I am a sailor, I definitely want to hear about your boat. <laughs> well, because she's the more interesting part anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny you say, Lori. I sometimes forget that. It's like all evidence to the contrary. <laughs> but um, I am a lawyer. Uh, long, you know, story short, started uh, uh, in Alabama. I was licensed there, practiced six years, medical malpractice defense and insurance defense mostly. And, um, and then met Philip and my whole world turned around because he told me the first night I met him, he was going to cruise around the world in a boat. <laughs> I said, well, you shouldn't have told me because I'm coming. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a great plan. And so <laughs> things took off from there. And I started my own company where I do um, legal services uh, remotely. So I kind of started doing that back in 2013. Did legal writing and marketing and started working that way, which made us more flexible. Philip and I got our first boat, a 1985 Niagara 35 called Plaintiff's Rest, which is, we always get spotted on the, on the water as lawyers. Some people just ding you away and we're like, oh, that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> but our reputation precedes us in the anchorages usually. And uh, we sailed the wheels off of her, had a great time sailing her from 2013 until 2020. And during that time, I was, uh, initially I started making videos and my blog and I wrote a couple books relating to sailing, um, which we can chat about and had a lot of fun sharing it. I did a ton of videos and they're out there. Um, I stopped doing the videos 2017. It's just too consuming and it's so much more fun to just be there rather than share it. And so we loved, that was a nice transition. That was a good choice for us. 2020 hit and damaged the boat, but did not take her, which was amazing. Um, she survived in a boat graveyard, but it did, uh, like a lot of people, it shook us up as in like, what do we want to do with our lives? You know, we we were able to work a lot as lawyers, but everybody was working remotely. Like all of a sudden this is the new norm and we're going, Hmm, maybe this should be our new norm. Cause before we'd been doing like three or four months cruising and then the rest of the time back home in Pensacola working. So in 2021, we sold the old boat to some really awesome friends who we are super close with now because they, they call with every question in the, under the sun, you know, what's this button? What is it doing? We're like, don't push it. <laughs> but uh, that's been a really fun transition. And we bought a 2015 Outbound 46, which is an, an exceptional boat. Um, we didn't know about their make and model before, but when we started researching every layer we peeled back, it's like, this is a beast of an amazing boat. So bought her. Her name is Ubiquitous um, because she is found everywhere. We loved the name, kept it. And uh, we spent about the last two years, I would say 95% of our time has been on the boat, like all year long. There was one year I only came home for like three weeks. <laughs> Everybody was like, are you ever coming back? I was like, I don't know, we'll see. But you're welcome to come visit. That's always the, the rule. Anybody can come. You just can't pick a place and a time. You can only pick one. Right. Yes. And that's the rule. <laughs> so we are happy full-time liveaboards that come home occasionally uh, for work and mostly jury trials, which is kind of what we're here for now. So that's my story in a nutshell. And I'm happier than I deserve to be. And life's pretty darn good. <laughs> so did you, did you make it around the world yet? No, no, no. We've, uh, we've done Atlantic circle, which is oh, really wow. cool. We've, that's we've awesome. crossed, um, yeah, haven't done that in our boat. So that's kind of why another transition to the new boat, the boat that could comfortably more comfortably take us. Our old boats totally capable, just comfort. But no, we did uh, Atlantic Crossing in 2016, um, helping to deliver a catamaran. And there's actually a movie. I made a two-hour movie about that, which is surprisingly pretty darn good. Everybody starts it thinking they're never going to finish it. And they write me and they're like, I can't believe I sat there the whole time. It just flew by. 
Ah, Probably because everything breaks and we almost don't make it. So it's really, it's intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a mystery thriller. Like, are they going to make it? You know, I don't know. (laughs) Every uh, time I go on the boat, something's going to break and I have to figure out how to get it back. (laughs) That's just boating. Yeah. So that's, so that was fun. And then in 2018 to 19, we helped deliver a catamaran. Um, The first time was Florida to France. And then the second time was France down to St. Martin, actually. Are you, you're headed soon. So those are our bigger trips. We've done Cuba too, which is amazing. We've been on our own boat. On our own boat, we've done mostly Cuba and the Bahamas. And um, now the East Coast on the new boat, we went up and down the East Coast this last year in New England and things like that, which was exceptional cruising. I was blown away. Where did you go in Cuba? I'm going to ask about Cuba. Yeah, we went in, uh, in 2016. And thankfully, you know, before it kind of shut down and got locked down again. So it was, uh, we were going to go to the Bahamas and then it opened up and Philip is super adventurous. He was like, oh, we're changing our plans. He was like, I'm not going <laughs> to sail by Cuba and not stop there. So the coolest thing about it was the passage was really hard. Um, it was end of the wind. It was five days of just snot in your face. You know, it was really, it was, it was a tough sail. And so getting there after that sail was like, people were like, how, how'd you get here? And we're like, we just point to that boat. We're like, that beast right there brought us here. <laughs> and that was just a really cool feeling. And Cuba was, they're so hospitable and they're, they're happy people. They want to share everything with you. It was just a really cool experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Did you uh, concentrate on one area or did you sail all the way around the island? Oh, no, no. It would probably take too long to do that. Um, when, we, when you could go back then, um, it was like a 14-day kind of pass, and you had to give a reason like humanitarian or education or you know do something to bring something to the country or have a purpose. Um, and I was making the videos, so mine was kind of documentary, um, my YouTube videos back then. So that was an easy reason, but it did only give you a limited time. So we focused on, we came into Cause you can't just anchor anywhere. You know what I mean? You have to enter their country and check in I mean, you can't just drop a hook outside. <laughs> so we went into Marina Hemingway and from there we took a car over to um, Havana and spent a couple days on foot in Havana. Yeah. Havana is amazing. Isn't it, was, it? it was exceptional. It is. It's like the beautiful ruins. Yeah. Yeah. It was may have been 2016 actually. That was you? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy without his pants on? That was you? Yeah, the guy, with, <laughs> the guy with no pants driving the taxi? That was me. <laughs> He's got a, he had an accent that you can't tell. He sounds like every other body personal accent. <laughs> <laughs> we went down to the Gardens of the Queen and we're diving on a liverboard. Well, we weren't diving on the liverboard. We were diving off the liverboard for uh, just over a week down there. Yeah, it's an amazing place. That is super high on our list. What did it look like? Is it really well-preserved? Yeah, incredibly well. Yeah, the reefs are in um, in great shape. And the diving is, uh, it's so limited how many people can get down there because they're uninhabited uh, chain of islands. And the liverboard we were on was actually a, a barge, like a houseboat barge that was um, anchored in between the little uh, islands because it's just a mass of these little mangrove islands everywhere. And uh, we would go out on a skiff every day and go to the different dive sites. No, it was neat. Oh, I'm jealous. That's way up on our list. Very cool. That's awesome. You got to do that. Are well, you a diver? Nick's got a book that's the Garden of the Queens. It's, it's... Oh, sweet. I will read it. Um, I am. Yeah, we're certified. We both have our patties and we don't do tanks and things on the boat. We usually rent all that stuff, but we love yep. to go diving. Good. Good. Yeah. What year did you buy, did you guys move on the sailboat or go full time living that way. The, starting full time, I can remember this because it was uh, 4321. It was April 3rd, 21. 
because <laughs> I was like, launch, it's the new chapter. And so we, we got on in April and we were in, uh, the boat was in uh, Annapolis, Maryland. That's where we purchased it and uh, where the former owner kept it. And uh, he's a very good friend now too. We've um, met a lot of great people in the outbound community. The first uh, 21, so we left and went down the coast, down to um, Florida Keys and went to the Bahamas and the Abacos and came back up and then do, did New England last summer in 2022. And now the boat's back down in the South Florida area waiting for us to come back to her. Where's next? Yeah, so um, uh, it's uh, the boat's uh, near Fort Lauderdale right now. And so that's a great jumping off point for the Bahamas because it's like a, if you have a great weather window, it's like a 10-hour day sail. So it's really awesome. We did that in uh, all through December. I want to say like mid-December into early January, we were in the Abacos. Um, we love the Abacos. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we want to go to the Exumas uh, this next time when we get sort of our trials behind us. So probably in April, it's a good time to go. So that'll be the next destination. How many people did you come across who were encouraging versus discouraging when you kind of jump off and say, I want to go take a sailboat across the world? I mean, <laughs> it is a little odd, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. People, people look at you kind of funny when you do that. I mean, I want to do it, but you know, people look at me funny all the time. So oh, yeah. I get funny looks for different reasons, but <laughs> I will say um, I'm a little different in that. I kind of, my family, um, a lot of them ran back in Clovis, New Mexico. <laughs> That's actually where I'm from. And uh, so I kind of cut out early on, like, uh, you know, to move across country, go to college, go to school. I do a lot of family in Alabama, but not kind of as tight family. So um, I understand your question because we see this a lot. I know a lot of friends who had a very hard time convincing usually their parents. This was a good thing to do, safe thing to do, especially those with kids. They get a lot of kickback. And and I 100% agree. Life on the water is far more educational and enriching than any life possible. Personally, I'm biased doesn't make me wrong, but, um, so I, I was definitely, my family's just, they know I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do all the time. So they were like, yeah, sounds great. Go do it. I will say the hardest thing that I faced in that regard, because, um, I see, like I said, most people with family members or spouses that are um, against it, but my, um, my firm where I worked in, uh, back in Mobile, Alabama, and this was, this was to go cruising. We didn't have our boat yet, but it was so we could go cruising. I mean, I actually, I actually left. I was set on a partnership track about one year away from becoming a partner there. And to me, that just felt like so much more of an anchor. Like it was going to be more responsibility, more hours at that desk. And I just, I just made me sick really thinking about it. And it was scary, but I told them and they kind of didn't believe me, Doug. This is the funny part. They're like, oh, ha, 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 Annie, you don't know. And I was like, all right, August 2013, I told them. Then July comes and they're like, I'm like, what are you guys going to do with all these files and my cases? And they're like, you're really leaving. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm going. And so ironically, they let me work remotely like the last six months because they just didn't believe me. And that's kind of what started me working remotely was making that work because uh, I, I left. And that was the harder part for me. It was kind of the career thing. Am I doing the wise thing career wise or am I making a grave mistake? Um, turns out I did the right thing. Uh, yeah. So it sounds great. Yeah. Because I mean, it's always better to be on the water anyway. So what do you think is like the sketchiest or maybe the scariest moment you've had on a boat? Oh, man, that's a great question. <laughs> I tell people, a lot of people worry about like, you know, crossing oceans and stuff like, oh my God, that's so dangerous. I tell you, driving down the highway is way more dangerous than being <laughs> in my boat in the middle of the ocean. I'm serious. My body is far more exposed to like immediate injury when I'm driving a car and people drive like maniacs. I hate driving. Physically, I've never been like kind of really physically scared for my own physical well-being. I'm usually terrified of boat damage. Like I, yes. I love the boat. Yes. She's yeah, she's like my extra arms and legs, and I'm afraid of her snapping her kneecaps off, you know, and that kind of thing. 
Um, so I hate being in extreme weather like that. Um, but I will say, remember that trip to Cuba, I said, was um, the most difficult for us. And uh, we were so healed over with the tow rail buried, you know, and just bashing forward and beating into it. And I just thought the boat was going to crack apart. You know, the way it sounds when you go down below and it's like, oh my God, and it's just the boat. I just don't want that to happen to the boat. But the passions of Cuba, I would say, was probably our more difficult. We faced the most winds. Um, and that's a passage. We've had some anchorages where we have, you know, huge storms roll through with like 40, 45 knot wind. That's not fun. Those moments are not fun. The wind is both my friend and my enemy. She's my friend to me. So I'm not a fan of heavy winds and I'm not a fan of bashing, sailing, all that kind of stuff. That's not what we do. But for the most part, my body, I feel completely safe. On the, on the flip side, then what was when you, when you first started sailing, what was that moment when you were like, oh, this is it. I want to do this forever. <laughs> the funny thing is it was our very first passage was a shit passage. <laughs> you can <laughs> keep that in, bleep it, whatever. Oh, no, that um, ain't <laughs> We got the boat, and I'm I'm a very adventurous person, uh, just by nature. My dad's actually was a professional bull rider. <laughs> oh wow! And uh, yeah. yeah, I did a lot of you know rodeo stuff as a kid, big tomboy gymnastics, all that kind of stuff. And you tell me that I can't climb that, I'm going to be climbing it in about two seconds. So just physically, I'm always up for kind of trying anything. And uh, so Philip had talked about you know the cruising and the passage making and stuff, and I'm just thinking, what hat should I wear? What's going to go with my tank top? You know, that's all I could think about. I don't. I just didn't know what I was getting into. And we left um, Punta Gorda, kind of where Ian just really went through. We were talking about that, and uh, we went offshore. And I thought, okay, well, let's go. Let's see what it's like. And like I said, it was four to six foot waves. It was like twenty plus knot winds. New boat to Philip, so he's an experienced sailor, but. You, as you guys know, it's a boat. You know, if you don't know the boat, you're kind of ignorant in so many ways. And he, we had one more crew member, but he got sick as a dog, so he was totally useless. And Phillips told me, like, pull that that bluish ropey thing, and I'm like, pull it which way? I mean, I don't know anything of what I'm doing, and it was horrible. It should have been a terrible passage. And we get to the end, I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> and so Phillips like, okay, I think you're gonna be okay. You're gonna like you're this. Sold, and, yes. I was like, yeah, let's do it again. You know, now since then, when I've, now that I'm more, I care more about the boat. I don't like doing that because I'm afraid it's going to tear up my home, you know, but at right, then yes. it was just kind of like, oh, this is our toy that we play with. I was so ignorant that it was fun. So that I was sold from, from that moment. <laughs> but I will say the first time we anchored and we threw the anchor out because I'd only been on the boat at moving always in constant movement, offshore passage for the first like six days of boat ownership and we finally dropped the hook and Philip's like, okay, you can just have a drink or sit down. And I'm like, the boat's not going to go anywhere. Like it's just <laughs> going to stay. And, and so then it was kind of like, oh my God, this can be relaxing and just, you know, hang out. And I was, I was afraid to swim away from the boat because I thought it was going to move. <laughs> but <laughs> Philip's like, you can go swimming. It's fine. And so that was a cool moment too. I definitely remember that like, aha, this is how relaxing and enjoyable it can be. So I have a couple of questions for you. So I'm not a sailor. When you're talking about, hey, go get the red rope or the blue rope, I sailed once with a friend of mine who was a very accomplished sailor from uh, Long Beach over to Catalina. He basically used me as crew to get over there because he needed one other person on the boat. And then he met his wife, met him there, and I had to come back on the ferry. So that's really my main experience of <laughs> sailing. And that's exactly what he did. This thing is healed over. We're going, you know, into the wind almost directly. It's like tacking a little bit. It was amazing to me how close to straight into the wind. It could go. That was phenomenal. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing. The thing was never upright. 
So it's, you're, you're kind of feeling like you're going to fall aside <laughs> off time. Or I did. And then he would say, pull that rope. That's why I pull that rope. <laughs> he goes, less, don't pull it, you know, let it out, whatever. He just sent me over and we Too made much. it across. Yeah. But it was, it, it was, it was quite exciting, but I'm a, I come from a race car background, so I kind of want an engine and a steering wheel and I like to go, you know, the straightest point between two places. So, but I've always wondered, like, so when you're sailing, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's go faster. So when you're sailing between two long places, you have to man the helm like the whole time, right? So do you rotate with Philip? Well, I will say we have a very, very cool third crew member on our boat, which we call is the autopilot. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the boat. I mean, and I'm not anyone to brag about anything like the autopilot's driving 98% of the time because he's better than us anyway. (laughs) He's more accurate steerer. Um, I'm just, I'm serious. You know, he holds a line. I get distracted and just start talking. I'm 10 degrees off, you know, and it's like, auto's probably sitting there like, Jesus Christ, lady. (laughs) So, um, but, uh, autopilot's usually steering. And so we, um, we often, but every, um, night shifts, we always have somebody on watch. And so Philip and I usually do, everybody does it different. We usually do two hours on two hours off all through the night. So the passages can get a little tiring in that regard and that you just don't get great sleep, but it's fine because you can sleep during the day. It's just, you don't, it's not day and night. It's just on shift, off shift is kind of what you convert into. Um, but no, we don't hold the helm too much. I'll be just fair, lazy sailors over here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to your point though, about the sailing part, I always tell a lot of people, cause they're like, I'd love to do that, but I don't know how to sail. I'd say sailing is about 10% of what cruising is about to me. To me, it's mainly, it's boat maintenance. You're going to do a crap ton of boat work, boat cleaning, boat organization, boat, you know, maintenance, all this stuff. You know, I'd rather you be a diesel engine mechanic. You can come on my boat any day. I don't care if you know how to sail because it's not, it's not the biggest oh, part, you know? So amen. You just amen. need to be durable and creative and have a good attitude. I need all those things, you know? And then sailing is like, it's just pulling ropes, you know, it's canvas in the air. Some people are a lot better at it. You don't have to be great at it to get to the next island. You just put up some canvas and steer. So I don't ever want that to deter anybody. No, it's uh, when I first got my sailboat, like I grew up on powerboats and it was kind of my wife was super nervous about sailing because we we, we did a lake at first, which is a good place to start. But she's incredibly talented. Like she could see the wind. She hates healing. So she will keep it straight no matter what so, <laughs> once it starts healing she's like ah she'll straighten it back up so. and you get that feeling i get it like my heart when we heal too much my heart starts to oh, okay yeah. like my hairs stand up and i i you know arch my back and philip can see i'm getting in my little pose but your body just tells you like this is weird so you got to get used to it i, I mm-hmm. get that yeah so so tell us you, you've got several books out about sailing um you tell us a little bit about your books <laughs> i had so much fun writing those <laughs> If you well, read we like writing other, too. So. Yeah, obviously, you know, I know. I wish now I had, I say more time to do it, but I, use, I mean, my day is spent writing. It's just not super fun writing. It's more legal writing, which I like, but um, I wish I had more time to write leisurely because when I get done working, I don't want to sit at the computer anymore. I want to go watch a show or go walking or go do something else. But my first book, if you like, if you read anything, it still cracks me up to this day. Salt of a Sailor was the first one. And it started from, I started the blog back in 2013 when we first got the boat. And I didn't know where I would go with that. It was just humorous writing. I like to just kind of be funny and tell fun stories. I get that from my dad for sure, which is the kind of prologue in the book. And um, I started writing the blog and people seemed to dig it and they thought it was funny. I'm very self-deprecating. That's just kind of my nature of writing. It seems to play well. 
especially among the stuffy sailor men, you know, it's just funny to have this blonde be like, pull the blue ropey thing. You know, people are like, oh, I can relate to her. You're not Mr. Oh, my yachting jacket, you know, seas on the winch, <laughs> sir. You know, that, so it just, I think it was a good fit. Wait, she's taking the piss out of English now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I love. I love your British accent, though. I wish I could talk that way all time. <laughs> I gotta favorite. say, I, I think "Seas on the Winch" may be a great title for uh, uh, one of our tropical thrillers, right there. Hey, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you you have the rights. I, I grant them to you. <laughs> Which, speaking of, though, if we have them, I don't know if we'll get there because I don't want to take up all your time. But I do have a maybe a book idea for you. <laughs> oh, we take all the book ideas, absolutely. So. <laughs> Let's hear uh, but, uh, it. To wrap up, so uh, the the blog, I will, I'll tell you, let me tell you, the book, though, the um, Salt of a Sailor was mostly my blog posts, which chronicled the, what I told you about, the ship passage of the first one. It's it's basically me going, oh, my God, this is so crazy. What's going on? I'm so ignorant. It's kind of like, you know, what do you call it, incense abroad. I'm just out in the Gulf of Mexico, but I'm, and, but I find out what's going on. I learn and I get, I get into it. And so it's a very funny book, just kind of, especially for women, because it'll just open them up to, you don't have to be super stuffy, yachty person to do this. And then uh, my second book was Keys to the Kingdom. And that one I wrote about kind of leaving work, which I've said was a big, scary thing for me and finding my way on the water. And I positioned it with a lot of old stories from my childhood in Alabama, which are just to me really funny, you know, like kind of tipping cows kind of stuff and, you know, just <laughs> all that, just, you know, cowboy stuff, which is I will tell the people too that being um, someone who grew up on farms, I used to spend my summers with my dad in Alabama. And, you know, we're mending fences. I'm getting the tractor running again. We're, you know, putting barbed wire up and all those things translated incredibly well to being a cruiser. And I just didn't know, but they did. I mean, I know how to get, grab a pair of pliers and jump in there. So that worked really well. And Keys to the Kingdom talks about that too. So that's two of them. And then I did write a third. It's just sort of a fun story about making a, a delivery. None such like it. But those are my three sailing books. Salt of a Sailor, Keys of the Kingdom, and None Such Like It. We'll definitely add those to our show notes. So you know, you okay, grab if people are interested in sailing, you, you've, I mean, I've followed your blog for years before I bought my sailboat, and it was, fun. It was great. So, uh, it's fun. I love the blog. It's just a great place to share stories. It's amazing. So, Do you oh, yeah, so what's the idea? idea? We want to hear <laughs> it. We, we need some... <laughs> Well, and uh, like I don't want to consume everything, but I have been debating writing this one for a very long time. We had at our anchorage, I told you the first one where we dropped the hook, where I was like, oh my God, the boat's still. It's called Fort McRae. I don't know if you guys are kind of familiar with Pensacola Bay at all. There's three forts. And so Fort McRae is the little anchorage near Fort McRae. And we anchored there all the time. We actually had a real live murder take place there in that anchorage wow. while we were there. Oh, right? wow. That's pretty crazy. So it's, you know, to truncate it, because it's it's usually a story we tell over three hours over cocktails, and we'll tell it anytime anybody wants to hear it, because it's just wild. But long story short, there was a, um, we came into the anchorage, and there's a boat there with its sail up, which just looks kind of funny, on anchor with its sail kind of half flogging around, which is going to make you go, what? Uh, and throughout the evening, like trying to chat with the guy on the boat, because often you'll dingy by, what kind of boat you got? I like your boat. You know, it's very common. He gives a weird name for the boat that's not what the boat is, not what the boat length is. He acts very funny. He has his nav lights on all night, his deck lights. Like something's just off with this boat in the anchorage when we've never seen before. And the dinghy was there day one. The next day, dinghy's gone. That's all we know. We're at the anchorage. And then we have wildlife, fish and wildlife call us on Monday after our weekend and say, well, the guy that owns that boat's actually missing. And they show us a picture of the guy that we saw on the boat he's not the owner of the boat. 
And I mean, things just, and there's so many more like really cool, crazy facts. But what happened is we learned, I went to trial. I had to testify because I have my GoPro because I'm doing my videos, right? So I have footage of all this that I have to go talk about to the jury. I mean, it's just, it just keeps going and going and going. We find out this guy somehow got, just walked down the beach, got in the water, swam up to this dude's boat. The poor guy, the owner of the boat, killed him, strangled him, put his oh body in the dinghy and dinghy behind us that night. I mean, we were all asleep on our boats with our companionways open. Nobody locks yourself up at night. Yeah. So he's like 40 feet from us dinghy and by with the guy's body, which is terrible. He's known in the community, a nice sailor. And he buried him near Pensacola, the NAS. Wow. Wow. That's Isn't that wild? Crazy. Right. That's and crazy. I have all like the DA file and all the you know, photos and stuff. I got to pull them up. And I thought about it. It's, it's going to write itself. I mean, it's pretty much, I don't, I don't have to do a lot to it. I just don't know about this, this crazy dude, man, at trial. Like he knew my boat name. He knows my blog. And I'm like, do I want to poke that hornet's nest? I mean, he's in prison or whatever, but I don't know. I just felt a little funny about all that. And then we got busy, but that that's a real story. <laughs> you can always change the names. I mean, it, it just move it to a different anchorage. It will be a little bit different. I mean, Nick and I both, we steal stuff all the time from real life to put in well, our books. Well, it's better than fiction yeah. usually. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we, a lot of ours, mine are most, a lot of mine are set in Florida. And we had this discussion with a, another writer the other day, but there's nothing that I can write about that Florida man didn't do already. So. <laughs> Florida man. Oh my God. I love that. Carl Hyacin does a whole bit about Florida man. If you oh, ever yes, heard Carl, it, it's yeah, amazing. <laughs> Florida man again, Florida man, this. Yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm debating it. We'll have to, maybe if you guys want to run with that, you, you should, no, you should tell that, that would be, that would be a great, you can, you can write that while you're, Bouncing around the islands, it's a perfect one. I, I uh, need to. You know, You're gonna. Just, you've inspired me to maybe pull those files back up. It would write itself, like I said. It would write it's, itself, and then once you get it, you know, <laughs> you, you got the great, great characters in there. You can just throw them in there, and it's it's fun. So, but I'm excited to read you guys this because I'm curious. I, I get to ask you the question: How did you get into tropical thriller? <laughs> uh, I f- I accidentally fell into it. Because I wrote a book, <laughs> I wrote a book about things that I wanted to write a book about, which was scuba diving, the Cayman Islands, and a World War II U-boat. So I, I knew I wanted all those things in there, and um, I figured out how to piece a story together that included them all. And so then I wrote a book. And then after I was done writing the book, Amazon asked me what genre I wanted to put this book in. So I hadn't really thought about that before. I thought, it, well, it's it's a book, you know, it's a mystery kind of book <laughs> and they're like no you need to do better than that <laughs> you need to, what's subgenre and stuff <laughs> I like so that. i did a bit of research and found uh sea adventures and then uh so i put it out in sea adventures and that's literally how i fell into it so two years later when i decided i, I was going to write some more and I, I might as well make it a series then i uh stumbled across the tropical author group and uh it seemed like a natural fit found your people that's cool and just i'm curious both of you writing do you have a lot of writing experience or did you just say one day I want to put words to paper? Well, I, I've been, I've been writing since I was a kid. So I, and I have, I do have a journalism degree, although I never used it because it doesn't pay anything. So I, I've been writing since like, and I have a, another serious, not tropical thriller as well that I've, I've been writing since 2010 publishing. That one just didn't, it, it was kind of a little more vague and didn't more of a straight, just kind of mystery. But I love, like, I've always been a water boat person. So writing about boats was kind of transitioned pretty well and it just kind of took off. Like, 
I always say, if you want to kidnap me, you can pull up in a boat. It could be a John boat. I'm like, <laughs> I'll get it. I'll, I'll go for a boat riding anything. So, um, so writing about boats was just fun. And so I just kind of, and once it took off, I was like, I, I can't write enough of them. So very cool. Well, I'm curious. Have you guys ever heard of Ed Robinson? Oh, yes. Yes. of course. Yes. Yeah, very much books. so. Yeah, he's, yeah. He was one of the first ones that I saw was kind of, and his aren't as mystery as, I mean, kind of, they're more thriller, I guess, action, but following Breeze and chasing Breeze. And, and I saw what he was doing and I thought that's probably really fun to have like a character that you kind of follow through all these sea adventures. And then he started pulling real characters that he meets at anchorages and bars and stuff like into his book, which I thought that would be really cool too. And I got to meet him finally in, um, Venice, Florida. We ate at the crow's nest together and just had a whole night of cussing and laughing and he smoked cigarettes back to back, but but we had a really good time. And I just thought that's a pretty cool profession for a boat. You know, if you really could make it on that, I mean, we all know book sales aren't going to, you know, (laughs) let us get into retirement, but you know, I was really proud of him. I thought it was great. So I'm I'm hoping my book sales. Give me a, but you need to give me some pointers, man. <laughs> I do not want another real job. I couldn't work for somebody else again. I think I've, 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 that, I've I, I can't stand working for myself and that enough. So <laughs> I definitely can't go back to an office setting. I can't. It's just, if I had to dress up someday and like put oh, a bra no. and go well, sit I mean, somewhere, like, I'd just stress out. Nick, Nick, Nick barely put on pants this morning. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I heard, right? It, yeah. It's only because so you're a female I, that I did. I wish it could be, but I, I still love the legal stuff. <laughs> so, you also have a, a new a new business you're doing to help people kind of figure out how to get into uh, remote work. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, in 2021, which to backtrack, Philip and I always get the question because we're lawyers and we're out there cruising. And it used to be more in the beginning, about 10 years ago, that we were kind of, quote, young ones out there. <laughs> the case anymore but you know some we're like mid-range to the upper level now but but more people are cruising you know a lot more people started cruising in 2020 but we get we always got the question you know how are you how are you working or how do you get that much time off of work to go cruising and we're like we don't we're working out here like we're still working so it was always this theme of like trying to explain that to people and so in 2021 we got the new boat we we're really going to be full-time liveaboards we were like, let's start kind of a company that can help people with that. And there's a lot of people out there that you know helping other people get into cruising. I mean, you could say Delos and all those people are doing it too. Uh, but this, we structured it as a Philip is really good. Um, he's a, a lawyer. He's an insurance lawyer, trial lawyer, like real, you know, not just writing briefs in the background like me. Um, he's boots on the ground. And so he's he's really good at how you structure your workforce, how you structure your case intake. You know how you he it would it would be more towards lawyers would be better for lawyers but professionals anyway architects you know engineers things like this training them how to build an infrastructure that lets them do their high end credential job remotely so how do oh, you make awesome. that work with the internet how do you make that work with your clientele with your clients how do you talk mm-hmm. to your clients about that so they don't think you're just out there drinking a cocktail you know you're actually working and so we created Sailplan LLC as a consulting business for people that are you know, Hey, let's talk for two or three hours about how I can make my accounting firm go remote. You know, how did you do that? You know, what's, what software do you use? You know? So that's kind of what we started. It hasn't done too much because we've been so busy working, but it's there. And definitely anybody who wants to check out the website and give us a phone call, we're happy to talk about it. But we'll throw that into the show notes as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that watch us are kind of thinking the same thing as we, we kind of strive to, to kind of work outside the norm and we don't, you know, full-time writers, I mean, bouncing around kind of, we're different anyway. So 
<laughs> we are cut from a different cloth. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we go, I got one final question for you, and we have a little game we play. So oh, boy, I, I like have games. this fancy wheel. <laughs> it's our wheel of questions. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yes. Is it really, really fun? <laughs> oh yeah, it's really fun. It's really oh, fun. My. <laughs> but it's uh, and of course this isn't visual. So the main reason we got it is for this fabulous sound. So I'm gonna spin this wheel and ask you a question off of here. Super hard questions sometimes, but am I wearing um, pants? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, let's see. See, the sound is great. Isn't I gotta it? So, get one of those. That's like absolutely. price is right, man. <laughs> okay, so our question for you today, Annie, is who is your least favorite? band or singer oh my gosh now that's oh. <laughs> this sounds terrible i'm afraid like what if she watches this podcast she's not gonna watch this she, I, <laughs> let's hope she does just in case i, I don't like i don't like celine dion what <laughs> i hope she doesn't sing <laughs> oh my god the whole of Can- canada just like turned off i know that's why i didn't want to say it but she's she's great voice amazing voice i think her songs are such cheesy drama it's just like i'm trying to even think of one i can't oh that titanic one lost my heart in the ocean you know and that one or like the last time we touched and they're all just so dramatic and she has these concerts where she sings and it's just not my type of music so oh there were nights when the wind was so cold i mean it's just like <laughs> take it back a notch you know but sorry you had to ask so <laughs> celine I apologize. You're successful, famous. You're doing wonderful things. I don't know what yeah. I'm talking about. Well, she didn't even make the Rolling Stones top 100, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. So that was a big deal. Like, oh, geez. As a lawyer, I'm a little nervous about like disparagement. I don't know. That's well, not disparaging. You can, we we disparage. all have different tastes, you know. Uh, you know, don't get me started about Ed Sheeran. So. <laughs> <laughs> he does look a little funny. He cracks me up because he says that, you know, whatever man upstairs gave him a, a singing voice because he's like, look at me. I look I look <laughs> crazy. And I was just like, it's true. I mean, it's just I, mean, I mean, the man's talented. He's very good. My, and, and like my wife loves him. And, and but and he's very good. But he came out with like all this, like in one year, there's 150 songs came out by him and hit number one every time. I'm like, come on, guys. You're just, you're just jealous. You're not yeah, actually well, commenting on the substance of his singing. Well, no, I mean, some of it's just kind of the same. No, because I, no, if I really don't, I really hate Bruno Mars. He has no talent. That's a whole different thing. Off there, so. <laughs> oh my That's God. for another wheel and another day. <laughs> Look at Nick. Uh, who is your, who is yours, Nick? What is your least favorite? Oh, uh, let me think about that long and hard. Jethro Tull. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to shove that flute where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand that damn flute. It really kills me. But, you know, Ed Sheeran, we saw Ed Sheeran in concert, and uh, it was tickets my wife got through work. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll go see this guy. He was actually phenomenal. He plays by himself, right? And then he records a loop, but he records it right there and then. So he stands on the stage, and he, like, taps out a beat and records it, loops it, and then he'd do, like, a chord on the guitar, and then he would loop that. And then he would like hum a backing vocal. He'd loop that. And then he'd start playing and singing with all this stuff that he'd just recorded going on in the background. And that's how he did the whole concert. It was, it was truly amazing. He was, uh, wow. I was impressed. Yeah. yeah. He, he really is actually really good. Yeah. yeah I've he's seen talented. that in person. And when they like architect a song like that, it's, it's amazing how their brain can hear that and build that right in front of you. I just, I've seen that too. And it's just super impressive. Yeah. 
All right. Well, before we uh, alienate any more Canadians, we should probably say thank you. <laughs> I know. I'm a little scared. I can't believe this went by so fast. It was so fun. Thank oh, no, you, guys. It's been great. No, it's so much fun. So well, thank you very much for joining us. I um, appreciate it. We'll, you know, having you aboard. My privilege, my honor, and my pants. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We really appreciate it. Yes. Remember, if you can, to subscribe to the show, please give us a five-star review, maybe a comment or two. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to our books and social media and everything that we mentioned in the show that Annie has, her books. And if you can, uh, support the show by buying or gifting our books. So you can find both of us on Amazon, uh, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Buy one of our books, shoot us an email, tell us how much you enjoyed it, ask some questions. Questions. We love questions. And trying to get, <laughs> just remember, be careful because we might answer them. So, all right. Our next episode will be up in two weeks. So tune in for that. Until then, be cool to each other. Fair winds and following seas. You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt.